This reading is from Ephesians 1, 15 to 23, and it's from the message. That's why when I heard of the solid trust you have in the Master Jesus and your outpouring of love to all the followers of Jesus, I couldn't stop thanking God for you. Every time I prayed, I'd think of you and give thanks. But I do more than thank. I ask. Ask God, ask the God of our of our master, Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to make you intelligent and discerning in knowing him him personally, your eyes focused and discerning in knowing him personally and clear. I can't seem to read it, sorry. Um, So that you can see exactly what it is he is calling you to do. Grasp the immensity of this glorious way of life he has for his followers. Oh, the utter extravagance of his work in us who trust him. Endless energy boundless strength. All this energy issues from Christ. God raised him from death and set him on a throne in deep heaven, in charge of running the universe, everything from galaxies to governments. No name and no power exempt from his rule, and not just for the time being, but forever. He is in charge of it all, has the final word on everything. At the center of all this, Christ rules the church. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts, by which he fills everything with his presence. Thank you, Karen. Excellent afternoon, everybody. Afternoon, afternoon. Uh, Let's pray. Uh, Loving God, thank you um, that you're full of goodness towards us this afternoon. And we pray as we uh, look at the Bible together and we think about our little church here, uh, that your spirit be close to us. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Uh, so, um, I can't quite work out where to stand, so I'm gonna, I, we, we are practicing live streaming again. So we have a camera there and a camera there, and one just on Ben, just to get the numbers up. And then, um, so, um, I have to sort of stay in one place, um, which is a little bit awkward for me, because I like walking around. So, Dave, forgive me if I wander off. I'm going to try, try my hardest, but I feel there's a barrier, but, well, there is, there's this table. Anyway, so, September, fi- I can't do it. Uh, so, September, I can't, sorry, I'm going to completely buck up the live stream. Uh, so, September, feels like new beginnings, doesn't it? It's supposed to feel that kind of like, you know, even though most of you look like, none of you have been to school for, for, for quite a while, um, it still feels quite fresh, doesn't it? A new and exciting, like a new term and the kind of smell of the leaves in the air and all that kind of stuff. So it has that sense of beginning, but... And so we had planned as a church that from beginning of September, we would look at our vision and our values afresh, just to kind of remind us at the start of this new term of really what God had called us to be and called us to do. But however, something happened these last few weeks, which kind of moved, uh, moved our timetable about a little bit. Did anybody see the last, this stream last Sunday service? Did anyone see it? You know, you didn't, how do you think I looked? I looked all right, didn't you? All the, all the posh stuff. Yeah, there you go. Quite amusing. If you haven't seen it, it's on YouTube. So, um, but obviously, we've been commemorating the Queen's death and so on. So we're going to look at it afresh, and we're going to come to uh, Top Church and see a little bit um, about our, our story. So uh, here's the thing. So um, there's a little verse uh, tucked away in the book of Proverbs, which I'm sure you all read this morning. And the verse goes like this. What does it go, Sarah? That's it, exactly like that. It says, um, without vision, the people perish. You know the one? Without vision, the people perish. Without a sense of purpose and journey and destiny, 
Uh, people, that's kind of us, we perish, we fall apart a little bit, we, we lose our sense of direction, we feel vulnerable. You, you can see that even, um, you know, that period of time when we didn't have a prime minister, it's in a political uh, statement, I've got plenty of them to come, but this one isn't, when we didn't have a prime minister, we, we, well, you know, we're waiting for the new one, as it were, you feel a bit like, I just don't quite know what's happening, you know, I don't know, you know, what, where we are and what's going on, and that's because there wasn't a vision, I mean... <laughs> You can argue there wasn't one. Anyway, but the idea, if there isn't kind of a clear vision, a sense of where you're going, people perish and it falls apart. If you walk into a school and there's no sense of vision or purpose, you know this school is just naff, it's dead, it's not going anywhere. You need a leader with a bit of vision, a bit of energy and a bit of story going somewhere. So without that kind of vision, we tend to perish and fall away. You know that in your own life, don't you? You know, when you've got, you just don't know what to do with yourself. You have those feelings where you just feel naff, you feel like your life's going nowhere and you're depressed, you know, it's like an average day for me. Uh, and as soon as you start to get some ideas and have a bit of vision, you start to feel good about yourself, even if it's only tidying a room or something like that, you start to have a, yes, yes, Sarah's nodding, uh, you know, you start to have a bit of purpose and energy, you put one foot in front of the other. Without kind of vision and goals, we kind of keen to, we sort of tend to fall apart. But here's the thing, I have a little bit of a love-hate relationship with vision. I do indeed, would you believe it? I have a love-hate uh, relationship with vision, because I've been to plenty of churches and organisations where the vision becomes everything, okay, it becomes the all-consuming passion of that community or that church or that school or that organization it becomes everything and if you don't fit into that vision woe betide you okay and what the leader will do if they're really good they will um very uh, they will pressure you they're probably if they're in church they use god because god comes in quite handy if you want to get people to do stuff for you they use god they say you know god's told me to do god told me to tell you to do this and you, I mean, what can you do? It's, it's a trump card, isn't it? You know, if God says it. Um, and they will use this sort of pressure because you've got to try and fit in to that vision. Now, so there's real strengths to having a vision. There's health and there's energy and there's strategy and there's purpose. And you, you go to a diet, I mean, go to a, a church where there's no vision and you feel it. But actually, if there's too much and it's too rigid, you, none of us have any space for our little visions. There are things we want to do because it doesn't quite tick all the boxes. So there's a real kind of like dilemma around vision of how, how strong you hold to it and how kind of loose you hold to it. So I've changed the word vision. Isn't that good? It's like wordle, isn't it? It's like real life wordle uh, to story. That's nicer, isn't it? Who likes a story? Like a story? Like a story, can't you like a story, don't you? So I'm thinking about stories. So, so we're trying, rather than, we will do have a vision, but rather than thinking just about it in terms of this is exactly what we're going for and everyone has to do, do it, I want us to think about what the top church story is, okay? So what our top church story is. Now, next slide, thank you, uh, John. Now, there's a very uh, famous phrase, it's so famous that I have no idea who said it, and it's this, we are the stories we tell ourselves. We are the stories we tell ourselves. That's absolutely true. We are the stories we tell ourselves. So whatever story you've told and you believe about yourself, that's what you are. You speak back to yourself. We are the story. We've all got our little plots, haven't we? We've all got our kind of themes running through. There's all these little characters who pop in and out of our lives and, you know, some more than others, some you're a bit stuck with and others sort of have, you know, come and go. But we all have, we're, our, we're, our whole life is a story. As someone, I think, I can't remember, it's David Robinson or William Shakespeare said, all the world's a stage and everyone has their part to it. It was he, wasn't it? Everyone has their their part to play. So we, we are the stories we tell ourselves. We are the stories we tell ourselves. And so we love to make meaning. You know, I'm going to embarrass somebody, but there's some people here, if you ask them what they've done in the day, some 
will tell you the whole story. And you'll hear it all, won't you? I'm not mentioning some of you are smiling, you know who you are. You know, and you'll hear the others that just tell you what they did. I went to work and I came home. And that was it, wasn't it? And what I had for lunch, you know. But, but most people are storytellers. We are the stories we tell ourselves. And it might be, you'll be thinking, well, what stories were what I told as a kid? You might want to lie down and be psychoanalyzed, you know. What stories was I told as a kid that I believed about myself that weren't true? What stories am I rediscovering about myself? Well, there's all sorts of things like that we can go off to, but I'm not going off on those tangents. So I want to think about the story of Top Church. And the way I want to do it is I want to think of it in uh, two ways. And the first is, what will come up on the screen, is uh, the long story, the long story. Now, some of you... Um, like I've said before, not mentioning any names in particular, but if you ask them a question about something, you will get a long story as an answer. Do you, do you know those sorts of people? You're looking at anyone, Kate Oakley, anyone? Uh, you, you know, you know, so, so, or Ben. Ben is a classic, yeah, yeah. So, listen, here's the tip. If you're feeling shy, and you, but you, wanna, you don't want to rush away, you want to talk to someone, Ben and Kate will just tell you a story, not, not like Hanson Gretel, but it will be a long story, won't it? It's wonderful. It's kind of, it, it, it's, it's brilliant to have others prefer a short story, gets to the point. <clears throat> and uh, and <laughs> not mentioning any names in our team, uh, but if we go back to the long story. So I want us to look at the long story of Top Church, and, the, and um, I can't even remember what it is. Um, uh, the long story, it starts here, it starts. Do you know how many years ago it starts? It starts... This is top, we're called Top Church, in case you don't know what we're talking about, uh, if you're new here today. It starts 800 years ago. So the story of Top Church starts 800 years ago. It doesn't start four years ago when uh, I became vicar and, you know, people started <laughs> coming to the church and we started doing things in the church. It started 800 years ago. And it was built, actually, originally, if I think I'm right, I'm looking at Kathy, by a chap called, with a surname, Gervais. Is that right? Is that Not Ricky. Not Ricky. He wasn't around then, but distant relative. Um, um, he, he owned the castle over there. If you look out, you'll see the castle over there. It's falling down, lovely castle. And he'd already built one church, which is called, it's at the bottom of the high street, called Bottom Church. See what they did there? And, um, but he wanted another one, because he loved churches, Gervais. And also, here's the thing, he didn't like the king. There was tension in the air. He didn't like the king. Now, I, at this point, I'd love to say to you that the reason this church was built is because there was this wonderful group of godly, let's say, uh, elderly ladies who were Pentecostals, who prayed day in, day out for God to move in the heart of Dudley and to change it and transform it. But it wasn't built for that reason. It was built originally because um, the rich chap down the road, <laughs> not much has changed, uh, um, didn't like the king. So he wanted to build a pilgrimage site here. So this is originally a pilgrimage site for Thomas Beckett. A Beckett. Now, if you remember, Thomas Beckett was killed, sadly. He was martyred and all that stuff. And so there's a bit of money in setting up pilgrimages sites for Thomas Beckett. So we're called St. Thomas. And downstairs below in the crypt where Shane often lives, um, there is the, is the part that's 800 years old. And there were rumours that it, there was a pilgrimage site there for Thomas Beckett and there was, like, his fingernails were there or something like that that you could go and, and so on. But that's why um, it was built. So the reason I'm saying it's built 800 years, I just want us to take a step back and think, the little bit we're playing in now, this church has been here 800 years. So it's like a long time, isn't it? And so it's got, think of how many kings and queens it's gone through, quite, quite a few. How many wars and civil wars it's gone through. How many um, you know, pestilence and um, cholera outbreaks and changes in Dudley. This church is, la is long older than democracy, it's, you know, democracy in the UK. It has survived for 800 years. It is absolutely incredible, this place of worship 
for 800 years. Now, if you want to know all the details of the last 800 years, do you know, um, anyone here watch Lord of the Rings? Do you know Lord of the Rings? Yes, yes. Do you know Strider? Do you know Strider? Strider is like this mysterious character who sits in a pub in Lord of the Rings, who's extremely good looking and, and has a sort of a magnetic energy about him. And he looks in his 30s, and you ask how old he is, and do you know how, how old is he, Nicky? I can't remember. He's like, he's like 407, okay, and he's lived through all these ages. So Shane is like our Strider, okay, Shane Pincher. So he hasn't actually lived for 800 years, but it's like he knows every year of this church. He's going to tell his wife when he gets home that. <laughs> and, and so he knows, every, so if you want to know the 800-year history, Kath knows a lot about it and Shane knows a lot about it. Um, but it's incredible to think, man, 200 years ago, 200 years ago, the church got knocked down. So who knocked it down? I can't remember what was his name. Who wanted a, who wanted a new church 200 years ago? Booker, wasn't it? Luke Booker, he had many wives, Luke, and they all, sadly, they all died, didn't they? But anyway, um, uh, there's a little plaque uh, over there, uh, Luke. Luke um, looked around the church, it was 600 years there, and he thought to himself, the force was with him, and he thought to himself, uh, I could do with a new church here. Um, So he he told everyone in Dudley, you're going to pay a bit more money, and we're going to have a new church. And no one in Dudley really liked it, but he had the power, they didn't have much choice, so they gave a bit of money. And hey, presto, this is the latest, this this bit was built 200 years ago, apart from the bottom bit where Shane lives, that's 800 years old. And so he rebuilt a new church. Time passes, time passes, it goes on and on and on and on and on. And suddenly, like every other Anglican church in Dudley Town, there's seven of them, um, this church is an iconic building, so it's 800 years old. It's the, you can see it from miles around if you pop up to Clint Hills or um, you know, anywhere, they, you know, even in Russia, they say you can see it. Uh, you know, the, the building's so high that, if, that it was going to have, the sad news was that it was closing. So basically, uh, nobody was coming, uh, or very few people were coming to the church. The building itself is at, at risk. Um, so it's, it still is, it's falling down, but you, we're okay for today. Um, don't come next week. Uh, so the, some of the roofs falling down, and, and, and it was basically the church, this kind of church in Dudley was going to close down. So the diocese were thinking, the diocese are the, the people who um, kind of in charge of, well, sort of whatever. They, that's the diocese on one live stream. Dioceses are really good. Um, and so diocese of Worcester, um, uh, kind of, it's their responsibility. So, so, Hold that thought. If you've got that thought, church is falling down. There's not many people here on a Sunday. Um, there's about sort of eight people coming on a Sunday. Um, tend to be quite elderly, don't have any capacity, don't have any money. Love the church, want something to happen. You've got that thought? Hold that thought. Okay, so we're just going to switch. Now, Queen's funeral. You wondered how I was going to mention that, didn't you? Who preached? Remember who preached? Justin Welby. Caleb's friend. Caleb's friend, look at that. Anyway, Archbishop Justin Welby preached. Now, before he did that a few years ago, um, he was looking through the bank accounts of the Church of England, okay? And he was looking through it, looking through it, looking through it uh, with the church commissioners. They're sitting around at the table, and he thought, oh, goodness, we've got eight billion pounds, as you do. And um, so he turned to church commissioners and said, um, we've got eight billion pounds here um, just hanging around. Um, any ideas what we're going to do? And they said, well, we we're saving it for a rainy day. And uh, Welby looks out the window and he says, it's pretty rainy at the moment. Um, what I've noticed is nobody goes to church anymore and all our churches are closing and won't be here in about 20 years. Do you think we could use a little bit of that money to do some work in some churches and revitalize some churches? And they said, what a splendid idea, Justin. So, cut a long story short, they siphoned off a little bit of that money, a couple of million quid, and they thought, you know what, Dudley, 
of all the places, we want to see the Church of England thrive, and we want to see people come to faith, and we don't want to see churches close. Actually, they thought to themselves, London gets loads of... <laughs> sounds like Conservative Party. Uh, London, get, London gets loads of money. Southern churches were kind of planting churches left, right, and centre. HTV, if you know, was kind of... We're doing fantastic work funding things. But there was no extra funds in this part of, of the world. And so the Church of England said, we want to invest two and a half million pounds into this church called Top Church in Dudley. And that's when, as soon as I found out the money, that's when, no, that's when um, we, we got involved. So the bishop at the time uh, approached Esther and I, Bishop Graham, he's now over in Norwich, and he said, uh, in a sort of very lovely, sort of posh, statesman-like voice, you know, uh, James, would you, would you like to come and help revitalise the church? And uh, there's been some extra funds to help, and so on. We're going to reorder the building. You're going to employ some staff. You're going to have enough curates to sink a ship. Um, and, um, you know, do you, are you in? I said, let's do it. Rock and roll. So that's how we started, okay? So that's the short story. I've just gone from the long story to the short story. And so that was four years ago. That was about four or five years ago. Now, here, here are two headlines I want us to grasp before we um, pray together. If you can move on to the next slide, that would be great. Uh, or oh, the next one after that. Thank you. Um, John. So this is kind of in the last four years um, where where we've um, where, roughly where where we've we've come from. So um, originally when we got here, the building was opened um, a few hours every week. So it was open Sunday and sometimes it was open on Saturday. So that was when the church was open, just a few hours a week. Now the church really is open six or seven days a week. It's incredible. It's incredible. So every day there's something now happening in our church, whether it's our alternative provision uh, for Invictus out the back, whether it's places of welcome, whether it's tiny town, whatever. We've seen the church go from kind of hardly being open to being open every day. It's just been wonderful to be part of that. And we've gone from just a handful of people to now we've gone to hundreds of people. So, so we think, you wouldn't know it from uh, today, but we think we're in touch with about 150, 180 people who engage with Top Church, who uh, come to worship over a month. Back in my day, uh, if you went to church, you'd go twice on a Sunday. Anybody here back in the day, twice on a Sunday? Then it moved to once on a Sunday, and then it moved to once every other week, and now it's just every now and again, isn't it really, for most of us, you know, it's kind of once a month or something like that. That's the shift. So to sustain what we're doing, we've got about 150, 180 people, and then there's about 200 who use our building every week. So that's kind of a little bit really clear headings of how uh, at some of the change it's been in. So lastly, if you go back one slide, John, that would be great. So this is our vision. This is to remind us really, and we're going to be looking and unpacking this um, over the next couple of weeks and talking about our values as well and so on. It's to be a thriving Anglican church. So we want to be a thriving Anglican church, which we'll explain more, which is a blessing to our community. So one, one of the beautiful things about Anglicanism, it's a parish system, which means the church is there for others, not just for those of us who come on a Sunday. We're here to call, to serve, to bless. Uh, and our area isn't just Dudley Town, it's the whole of the borough of Dudley. So we're here to bless our community, which is why we're involved in cha chaplaincy and schools work and college work and um, our buildings used throughout the week. It's wonderful. It's here to bless our community and a resource to other churches, which we'll explain about a little bit later. 
but very often we're involved in helping other churches, particularly on Sunday morning. And then um, in the new year as well, there's about two or three other churches that we're going to have an opportunity to um, help renew, renew and kind of start again, really. So I hope you're all up for doing some stuff in the new year. Um, and so there'll be those sorts of opportunities as well to kind of plant and uh, resource other churches. So the plan is over the next couple of weeks, uh, we're going to explain those things. There's some more job opportunities coming up at Top Church. If anyone's looking for a job, we're going to, I think we've got three more vacancies coming out with a bit more funding and so on. Um, and so there's lots of ways to continue uh, to get involved. But last thing, just to kind of note, is this. There's one thing that's really important to us as a church, uh, is this here, is this actual table, but also the table generally. This is beautifully made, handmade by um, Shane. And what's really important to us is some of the, the technical term for our kind of church in the Anglican world is called a resourcing church, okay? And look, there's lots of other resourcing churches if you, you Google it, and they are doing fantastic work. There's a big one in Birmingham, there's loads in London, Salisbury, Winchester, um, and, and Derby, and Nottingham, and all sorts of places here, there, and everywhere, and Oxford, and all that kind of stuff. There's very few that are in uh, urban areas like ours with, with no students, and um, quite frankly, just a lot of uh, difficult, you know, poverty that we're facing. And one of the things that are in our hearts was, and lots of kind of resource big churches, your new wine, HTV churches, is, is they use their money to build a bigger stage for the band. Okay, so the band gets the center and you sing for like an hour, that kind of thing. Or they build their thing to, to have longer preaches. They build a kind of pulpit, not literally, but you know, the preaches sort of 40, 50 minutes is all about um, the preacher. What we wanted to do was build a bigger table. That's in kind of every sense, physically, but also metaphorically. We wanted to put the table at the center of everything we do. We want to put communion, the promise of Christ's presence. Christ promises presence in the bread, not just in the band, not just in the preaching and, and in one another, but in the bread, Jesus promises presence. So we believe every time we take communion, we encounter Christ in the bread. And that's the kind of the most, one of the most important things to us. So this, that's a little overview. That's kind of a long story, as it were, and the short story uh, of um, the Top Church, a bit of background. Um, but what we really want to do is over the next few weeks, we're going to expand it more and more, root it, show you how we kind of got to those conclusions from Scripture and see what the Holy Spirit uh, is going to do with us in the new year. So I'm just going to pray. Um, and then as part of our calling as a church, we often will pray uh, not just for ourselves, but the world around us. And Sarah's going to lead us in our time of prayer. So let me just pray and, uh, for us, and then I'll hand over to Sarah and the band for prayer and worship. Love and God, it's um, quite something to be part of a, a movement that's been going on, well, a couple of thousand years, but particularly in the place where we sit today for 800 years. We thank you for every person who's gone before us. That's enabled these doors to be kept open, for worship to happen, to people encounter you. And we pray for us as we do this little series together that we might be envisioned for your love and your purposes for this area. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.